Hello, hello, Josh here. Welcome back to Dead Set Podcasting. Just a quick intro. Today's guest is David Hooper from bigpodcast.com and author of one of the few podcasting books that I actually have read front to back and I actually think might stand the test of time, Big Podcast. Two quick things. I think it was about 7am in the morning when I was on this call, being here in Australia, and you're going to hear just me kind of wake up as the podcast progresses and get a little bit sharper. To be honest, I was not at my sharpest for the first period of this interview, and David just took the ball and did the heavy lifting for a great portion of this interview. So not my best effort, but thanks to David for kind of carrying the weight on this one. And I think it was early evening, potentially for him the day before in America. So that's one thing that you don't always know when you're doing international podcasting, how your energy levels are going to be when you're working with maybe a North American daytime work hours type schedule. So you might be up in the middle of the night, you might be doing it at 10 a.m. or 10 p.m. or like I was in this particular interview from 7 a.m. onwards. So I could have actually edited out a lot of the disfluencies. They're not great big slabs, but just little things where I'm just not quite getting at what I'm meaning to. I've actually left a few of those in today just so you can hear how sometimes an interview can open up as it moves through the interview. It doesn't have to be absolutely spot on from the first moment and then you start stressing and start getting worried about it. Just let it become what it's going to become because after a while, if you're at all simpatico with the person you're speaking with, you will kind of move into a rhythm with each other which is what happened on today's episode. So the other thing, if you wanted to support the show, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash deadsetpod or go to Deadset Podcasting and click on the button, buy me a coffee. And yeah, this is David, author of Big Podcast, champion bloke once again, just like many of the guests I've had recently. And yeah, there's a lot in this one and we go to some pretty deep places, which is also why I haven't edited out some of the rabbit holes that we go down because they end up in really interesting kind of spots and we get to a few things we might not have if I had have been a little bit more switched on to start with. Okay, let's jump in with David. You're listening to Dead Set Podcasting with your host, Josh Liston. This is a fully independent podcast about podcasting with a global focus and perspective. Follow along with today's episode over at deadsetpodcasting.com. Okay, here we go. Good morning slash good evening, everyone. Josh here from Deadset Podcasting. I'm really excited today because I'm joined by David Hooper. And don't let my morning voice fool you. I am actually really excited. He's the author of Big Podcast, which I think is not only the best book on podcasting, but really the only book worth really delving into and investing time in that focuses on the medium that we're all in. He's also the host of Red Podcast, one of the few business slash entrepreneurial oriented shows that I can actually stand to listen to. So welcome, David. Man, that's a good intro. Thank you so much for having me here. (laughs) This is going to be fun. So I like to give a little bit of insight into why I choose people on the shows because I'm not going to have lots of guests on this show. So the reason David's on here is because not only does he say what I think is the closest thing to the truth in my own experience, having done this for eight years and had a lot of failures and mishaps along the way, but he also uses the funniest examples for things. And also, and this isn't a reflection on my worldview, but hearing about a lot of people who talk about the space they relate everything back to their experiences growing up in the church and what it's like to go to, you know, different church groups and that sort of stuff. That doesn't really, that's not familiar to me. So sometimes I don't get what they're getting at. Whereas David's examples throughout his whole book and also through his other work, how he makes his points is always funny and sometimes even a bit taboo, (laughs) just edgy. And just all these examples of, wow, where did that story come from? That's awesome. (laughs) So can we just start with that, David? 
what led you to think, I've got to separate myself or whether that was intentional or not, but I want to use these crazy, funny stories to illustrate points that no other person would actually probably go near. (laughs) Well, so first of all, it's funny you mentioned church because I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, Music City, USA. So that's part of it, but it is also the buckle of the Bible Belt. So on one hand, we've got these super crazy musicians, and I later spent 25 years in that industry, but also church. Church is a big thing here. My first recording session, speaking of music, was when I was five years old. I did a kid's church record, sort of like, like Barney or Kids Bop, or depending where in the world you are, you might be familiar with that. Kids music, right? And that was part of it. So I saw both things mixed. And of course, being in the music industry for so long, I do think you become somewhat numb to maybe some things that other people would consider shocking. That's part of it. The other part of it is is somewhat of an open-mindedness from having my mother who was a librarian and really big on, on free speech and don't censor things and bring out ideas. And I just put it all together because I, I, I wanted to kind of deny the music business when I moved over into podcasting and broadcasting and said, no, nah, I don't want to talk about that. But these stories kept coming up and they were such great examples. So I said, I've got to make peace with it, you know, and, and now I'm, I'm back into it more than ever. I think with the music industry stories, there's mythology around stories from radio, for example. There's also mythology around the music industry, but the yeah. music industry stories are so much better. <laughs> like, <laughs> It's and just some of the ones that you choose are just really fantastic. But it's not also it's not always that you're talking about stuff from the music industry. It just it kind of whatever you do choose to use as an, an illustration for a point sits well with people that maybe are familiar with that world or have an interest in that world. Well, some, something I've always been fascinated by, and I think the music industry fits into this, but also I've got stories about. For, for example, there's a drug dealer and I talked about him and his rehabilitation and the ad he put in the paper trying to rehabilitate himself and go straight. Yeah, That's in the book. But the thing I've always been fascinated, and this is the comics I've worked with, the film and TV people, the book authors, there are people there that are very successful that they would not be successful at all, like in a day job or in a normal, normal job, or really sometimes in the real world, you look at them and you're like, how does this guy even buy his own movie ticket? How does he order at a McDonald's? It just seems like they're not, they're not crazy. They're just odd yet. They're super successful. They have their own level of genius. And I think in a lot of ways, podcasters, we're like that too, right? We look at the world in a different way and we're listeners and we listen to the world and we reflect on the world and we've got to get good at communicating. So we've got a lot of the same experiences and skill sets. So that was in some ways a, a perfect jump for me to go into that world. Just not to delve too much into an early tangent on the music industry, but I guess one thing that you do illustrate is that maybe where podcasting deviates from a more traditional industry like the music industry is there's maybe more of an element of choosing yourself in podcasting as opposed to having someone choose you like there would be in the music industry. Yeah, well, 100%. And and that's sort of how I got here because when I started in music and also when I started in radio, it was other people choosing you. So for example, my first radio show, I was working at a station and you had to have an FCC license and the FCC license, people don't understand this. That's Federal Communications Commission. Uh, We just know it as FCC here in the United States. The license, the piece of paper to put up a radio tower, $20 million. That's the price that you're talking about. So before you can even get started, you've got to have a lot of money. Then you've got to staff and electricity. You've got to engineers. And the fact that we can do all of that stuff on our own and go worldwide, not just as far as that antenna will reach, is amazing. But I experienced the same thing in the music industry too. And I think that was why it was such an easy transition for me because we used to have major labels and they would print something on a piece of plastic and you would put it on a truck and put it in a warehouse and put it on a shelf and somebody would have to buy it. And nowadays you record something, put it up online, same thing as podcasting. And uh, it really is about choosing you. We don't have to have permission. And if, whether it works or not, that's really up to the people who listen. It's all on them, not some kind of gatekeeper. So th- that's exciting, but also somewhat scary too. 
it is scary. And just so we don't start off on some kind of mega tangent about the history of music and its correlation to other things, maybe I'll just jump in with something. I'll, the first thing I wanted to talk to David about that I think is fascinating is your view on authenticity. And it's probably the reason why I lost interest in a lot of the early shows I listened to, which were heavily entrepreneurial, is to me, they were conflating transparency with authenticity. Yeah. And those two things, particularly if you're intentional about it, you can kind of fool people by being ultra transparent, but it's not really authentic at all. So yeah, not, not when your microphone is on, not when it's being recorded. Yeah. So what is it about authenticity that you think maybe is important, but also how do you really know on the mic that you're being authentic versus inauthentic or that you're doing it for the right reasons as a podcaster? I think as a podcaster, we do have to admit that when that red light is on, when it's being recorded and you know it's going to go out, it's going to leave the room that you're in, that there's an element of performance. We're not 100% completely authentic, but what I think of it as, this is another thing that I took up took from the music industry. If you see somebody on stage and you really connect to them, that person is who they are. They're usually not completely fake and they're completely different. Like you look at them and they're red, but they're actually blue. It's not like that. What it is, is there's a, a shade of red and they make it redder. They make it brighter. They make it louder. And that is what I think of when I think about authenticity, when I think about bringing your personality into things, there are elements there that are your true self. And I think what ends up happening is as we kind of test the waters with our podcast, with our personality we put out there, we can get not more extreme, but we can jump in in a, a bigger way than uh, we might have at first. You know, you t test the waters. I'm going to talk about this topic, for example, Oh, people like that topic. Okay, let's talk about it a little bit more in a different way. Does does that answer the question that you that you were going for? A, it probably wasn't the greatest question in the world, but it was also probably a pretty difficult question. So that gets in the ballpark. And I know with authenticity, I I thought about amping up when I started doing stand up. One thing that people find day to day is they don't expect. I can catch people off guard with how sarcastic I can be in moments. And it always gets a laugh or just a look of, wow, you just really went to 100 <laughs> in two seconds there. Sure. <laughs> I thought when I started doing stand-up that that would be something that I could lean into because it felt authentic to me. It was authentic for me to be sarcastic. Maybe I can ramp that up another 10, 10x on stage and be the super sarcasm guy. Right. And as soon as it started coming out of my mouth, David, I knew that – uh how sarcastic I am day to day, that's max sarcasm for me. I don't have another level that's real that I can go to there. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. And I think it's difficult when you first start podcasting, which is why I think a lot of people's first shows probably when they listen back, they're like, it doesn't sound like me or you sound like you're playing a character is because yeah. maybe you've chosen the wrong part of yourself to amplify. So how do we get that feeling right? Is it just purely experimentation and being in the game for a while? Yeah, I think so. That's one of the reasons that this is something that's pretty, I guess we could use more controversial about the book. People say, you want me to launch with 25 episodes? What? And, and I know that that was one thing that freaked me out about the book. <laughs> I was like, holy moly, he wants us to do six months work. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's arbitrary. Yeah. But what I want you to do is I want you to get in and experiment because even if you are an experienced broadcaster, like Josh, you said you've been doing this for eight years, so you could start a brand new podcast and what you think in your head that it's going to be isn't what it's going to be once it gets on tape. And once it gets on tape, your version of it, it's going to be received in a different way. So there is a lot of experimentation between you, between the product, between the people who listen to your product. And yeah, it, all, all you can do is, is jump in. We like to think that we have like, even like a life plan or anything that we do, 
Like you go get married. Oh, our marriage is going to be like this. No, it's not. You think it is, but no, it's completely different. Uh, any kind of relationship is like that. Any kind of job is like that. So your podcast is no different. And for some reason we feel that we have to have this stuff done perfectly. And we don't, because when you hear the podcast that you hear, what you're not hearing, let's say you take like a Mark Marin to use a comedy podcast, WTF. He's had failed shows. He has had a stand-up experience. He's had writing experience. He's got a lot of things that he's brought to the table with that show that we are either not aware of because we just don't know of him or we don't see the behind the scenes, but we, uh, you know, we see the finished final, final product. Uh, the book is a great example of that. It took me four years to write it. There were three drafts of it. There were seven editors that worked on it. It was a big jumbled mess. That's what the first editor said. And everybody's like, Oh man, it's so great. It's like, well, thank you. It, it, it took, took a long time to get it that great. You yeah. wouldn't have wanted to see the first drafts. And unfortunately, personally, like we experience our first drafts. And if we're throwing out podcasts out there, some people can also see the first drafts as well. That's the, that's the downside of not having those filters we talked about earlier. I think Marin is particularly fascinating. Not that I'm a massive fan of his show, but I think that he did a lot of his failure and figuring out who he was in a different life. And when he came to the microphone, what I remember has changed most about that show when I do check in every once in a while is he made more enemies than friends in comedy. And in It sounds that way. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of those early shows, what's kind of magical about them was that he was rebuilding friendships on the air yeah. or relationships. And yeah. that was because... He'd spent a whole career alienating people. And he wasn't the most loved podcast host. He wasn't like a Joe Rogan where his mates and like everyone who knows him loves turning up there. Like a lot of those people in the early days of Marin, it was an uncomfortable thing, but it was also about as real as you were going to get because he was trying to rebuild that in real time. And not that I'm saying anyone else needs to go make a bunch of enemies and invite them on their podcast, but... <laughs> That would be a silly idea, but I think he came to the mic as an authentic person because yeah. he'd spend he spent so much time figuring out who he was and he wasn't. And if you're just starting a podcast and you don't have that previous life in entertainment or content or whatever, how do you have any any knowledge of who you're meant to be on a microphone? That's one thing I want to try and get to today. I don't know whether well, we're quite you, getting there. You have there. to yeah. live. Yeah. You have to live. I've talked about people I knew in music school. I knew a guy that I never saw him in the practice room. He was always out in the clubs. He was doing drugs. He was, I don't know what he was doing. He was living, but he would bring in those kind of experiences in and put them into the music that he did. And he was amazing. He was amazing as opposed to, we've all seen those people that just go by the book or they're afraid to take risk and you can mess things up. And Marin is one of those guys. I think what he's doing on air, speaking of that, is he's doing a lot of what like a 12 step program would be. He's making amends and things. And uh, to, in order to make amends, you have to mess things up. Something has to be unamended. Is that the word? Oh, <laughs> so, it sounds good to me. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a very real thing, though, because we've all been there, right? We've all pressed the gas a little bit too much and crashed the car. And that's how you know that you've gone too far. Then you know the next time you can tweak it. And we do that with our podcast. We do that with our life. So I, I do want to say this, and I'm curious to know your thoughts on it. There is something called failure porn. So we take it back to what you were saying about authenticity, I think a lot of people see the reaction that somebody like Mark Marin gets and they try to maybe like live in a past life that they know that people are going to come up to them afterwards when they talk about it, give them hugs or cry with them or something like that. I think we have to be careful about that. But, you know, your authenticity, I, I suppose that level is ultimately up to you. So it's just something that we need to look at internally. That's a personal belief, not anything written in stone. Well, I think that you're right on the money there and it goes back to the transparency versus authenticity. If you're leveraging your grief or heartache or even that of other people 
just to garner an audience, yeah, then that to me is highly transparent, but probably about as inauthentic as you can be. I know when I started, I thought I had to be a certain way on the microphone. And I've said yeah. this before and I've had some people say, well, that sounds kind of horrible in retrospect because they're newer to podcasting and they were just who they were from day one, whereas I went through multiple versions of myself. Like I had a music marketing show, the first one I ever did, David, and I decided that show was going to be clean and have no explicit language, which you being in the most important music city probably in the world would know that's not generally how musicians communicate. They pick fights with each other that are heavy with language. They swear all the time. Like I, Yeah, like I was speaking about a thing I was doing and I was heavily involved in without using the voice that those people have. And it was purely because I think I was trying to appeal to the wrong audience, which is something I wanted to get onto today. Sure. Is there's a concept of audience avatars, which I think is partly garbage because it's you can't just know a priori who you're going to appeal to because it may end up being a different person and you may not embrace them because they're not perfect. But that's just one of my little gripes. But how do we know that, how do you know who that audience is? But also how do you know which, you know, how do you create something that's going to appeal to that person as, as far as being the host? Because I was, I was trying to be a certain way, like a good podcast host but I was missing the mark on actually reaching the audience that it was for. Like, I know that's a bit of a, probably a murky question, but. I think I know where you're coming from. And part of it goes back to jumping in there and testing things out. I remember when I was a kid, this is still one of the weirdest things that ever happened. Um, My parents, we would go to this flea market every month and some people call it a swap meet. I want to be aware that people might not know the term flea market, but swap meet, big, you know, put up a table, put up a booth and everybody's selling stuff. And there were these tombstone art people there and their crowd that loved them somehow was the hell's angels. And you would have thought it would have been, been a bunch of like, old people and they're into history and they've got this old, you know, or who knows, but they had old school, I guess they called it tombstone art. They're replicas of tombstones. And uh, one of the reasons the hell's hell's angels love them is there was a symbol, I guess, on one of the tombstones that they, um, it was a hell's angel symbol or something like that, as I remember it. And uh, word got out and then you've got a new audience and you would have never thought in a million years that was going to be your audience. So either you're going to work with it or against it. You're going to stop selling that thing or you're going to double down on it and sell twice as many of them. So I think our podcast is like that. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier. Sometimes you put out a message there and what's in your head is different from what's on tape and how that tape is received is completely different. Um, You know, I think as people, I think we should change. And I think it's good for us to look at things and say, well, you know, maybe I, I don't want to. I mean, I've done some work in the past, marketing work that am I adding to a problem that I don't want to be a part of? I didn't think it was going to be that serious at the beginning and then it became something that I didn't want it to be. So you walk away and I think we should be able to change. I don't think we should ever be trapped in something. And I think we need to give forgiveness for people who do change. So that uh, is forgiveness for yourself as well. It's, it's okay to change and maybe you've got to find a new audience or maybe you embrace a new audience that came with you. But that's one of the great things that we can learn about ourselves, like a very self-reflective podcasting thing. If you're open to it, rather than forced down, I'm going to continue to do these same shows, ask these same questions by God. There's so much in that, but I usually try to follow my curiosity a little bit, David, and that's, I think that, If nothing else, when you start a podcast, whether you get nothing else out of it or not, one thing you're going to do is learn about the lies that you tell yourself because you're going to hear them come out in the audio when you're listening back to yourself. Yeah. I should really have renamed that original podcast, The Sacrificial Lamb, because it was, (laughs) in retrospect, all of the mistakes I could possibly have made about trying to be the a different person than who I was. And when I listen back to it now, particularly the early stuff, 
I went back and checked some of it out to see, you know, you do something for eight years, you want to know if you're getting better at it. And I think that just sounds like a different human being altogether. And I could almost hear that I was intentionally trying to be different than what I actually am as a person. Yeah. But the thing is that I'm not sure there's a way to shortcut that, which I think is getting back to your book, which is the point of today to a certain degree. One through line in the book is whether you're figuring out who you are as a host or how to make content, how to edit the content, how to market it or whatever. One thing that's quite clear from Big Podcast, even the fact that it's a rather large book and a commitment to read it, is there's no shortcuts to this stuff. So stop looking for them. There's yeah. way to ways to do things technically better and maybe think about things, you know, in a different way or more efficiently. But there's no way to cut out the work of getting good at it. Yeah, that's not to say that it's hard necessarily. And that's not to say that you can't luck out and fall into something. Like I fell into the music industry. I was born in Nashville and it just so happened it worked for me for 25 years until it didn't work. And what ended up happening, this is what happened when you fall into something, is that I had not learned the skills of actually searching for something that worked for me. So when I got over the music industry, had my midlife crisis, it was like, mm, it was a little bit trickier than I would have thought. It took me about five years to kind of figure out the next path. Just thinking about that, if you're figuring stuff out now and it's not easy for you, what you are doing is you are developing the skills that will make things that much better in the future. I think a lot of people get frustrated because they see people with instant success in podcasting or anything like, Oh, that guy has all the luck. Well, not necessarily because eventually the, the birds come home to roost and you have developed skills that they have not because you had to get in there and work hard for it. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And just if we can go back to the book just for a minute and sure kind of relate what we're talking about to your 25 episode launch idea. I think if you just read the words without understanding that maybe what you're getting at there is it's a skills building exercise and it's self discovery right. exercise. Right. It feels less overwhelming when you, cause it doesn't have to be 25. And I think I was thrown by that to begin with cause I thought 25, that's massive. Some podcasts don't even have 25 episodes over the lifespan. Right. <laughs> but Most of them don't. <laughs> but hearing how you've just articulated learning some of the lessons, but also discovery, who you are, who you want to be on the mic, getting the right energy level, because I know that I can tend to, I'm a pretty low energy person and comedy-wise it's working, but for a long time on podcasts it probably didn't work. So I've, I've learned over the years, David, that I have to be a little bit more up and about, for the lack of a better term, that might be an Australian term about just juicing my energy levels a tiny little bit and that actually wears me out. But I yeah. think it translates better on the mic. Yeah. Like sitting up a bit more, using my hands more, all those things just to get any, any level of energy into the microphone. And so the 25 episodes... This is a massive amount of preamble, but what exactly were you getting at? I mean, I've just probably thrown a bunch of potential things out there, but... Yeah, the, the 25 episodes is basically time on the mic because as we've been talking about, all this stuff happens little by little, little by little, little by little. And I think to me as a musician, I think about learning guitar, it's like I had seen that. You... you are not good one day and you get slowly better each time you practice. You, you don't see it, but you get better eventually. If you were to take the first time you picked it up to five years later, you're going to notice that. And 25 episodes is like that, but it's actually like, it's documenting it. So by the time you get to that 25th episode, you can go back to episode one. So, oh, I am better. But you're not going to see it. You're not going to even notice it. So on that hand, it can be very helpful to you just as something for you to document. But the other thing that people, I don't think I did a good job of explaining this because I get so many questions about the 25 episode thing. You don't have to release it. You can record it 
you can release it without putting it up in Apple podcast and not mentioning it to anybody. I like it when you release it. Cause I think it puts a little bit more pressure on you. You know, that it could get out there, but it, it's, it's not something like you get to that 26 episode and you flip a switch. You're all of a sudden good. It happens slowly. It happens methodically, very meticulously from the work that you're doing over time. And I think that really is, is probably the crux of it which is that this is a commitment. This isn't something that you can just expect to walk into and on the very first episode, know what you're going to talk about, be interesting to listen to, as you mentioned, energy, be good at all. You're going to get in there, you're going to mess up. But if you keep at it, you're going to start to see that progress. And I think the 25, again, it's an arbitrary number, but it just gives you something to shoot for. I could have said 10, could have said 50, 100. The truth is you could be 500 episodes in before you really know who you are. Some people just don't have that kind of awareness. Other people, five, six episodes, you're good because you've got life skills that you brought to the table. Uh, I, I think 25 is easy for most people to get their heads around. What I didn't think about when people wrote back to me and gave me a little pushback on this, they were like, man, I only do two episodes a month. That's going to take me an entire year. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. maybe so. Or maybe it'll take you 25 days. I don't know. But you yeah. don't have to be limited uh, you know, on any kind of schedule. You can do it as often as you want to. And I think that's the most important thing, just the commitment. And I think in your defense, you, you never said that people have to create you know, they're an opus. Like they don't have to make 25 This American Lives. Each of those <laughs> no, episodes no, no, can no. be 90 <laughs> seconds long. I'm going to speak, I'm going to do a two-minute episode and produce it this way with this energy and I'm going to edit it this way. And then the next yeah. one might be I'm going to use a different energy, talk about a different subject and maybe produce it in a different way. Well, and I'm glad you're mentioning the editing, putting it out. Those are all elements of it. And I think the more you do that, it's just reps. You're going to get better. Just like if you were in a gym, uh, speaking of the 25, I, I do have some episode templates within the book and actually I've got free episode templates. If you're interested, just go to bigpodcast.com. I'll send you episode templates via PDF, but it could be that it could be you discovering, maybe I don't like interviews. Maybe I should do a solo podcast or vice versa. So I think any, any of those things you can do to learn this skill, just have fun with it. It doesn't have to be serious. And uh, that's the great thing about not having it on that vinyl record, right? Or having it something that's permanent. You yeah. can just put it online. You can take it off and put something new up there. That's right. And I might sound like I'm still not that into the idea or not that enamored with it, but I've actually come around to it because thinking back about my early podcasting experiences, you get such a little amount of feedback when you're putting stuff out to begin with, but it yeah. really is, particularly now it's so much noisier in podcast world. There's no time you're going to have more attention on your show, particularly from your immediate circles than when you very first release it. And then to hear six months later from like I did, oh, your show's awesome, the information's great, but can you do something about the, the volume levels being all over the place? Yeah. <laughs> or can you just edit it a little bit more tightly so it's not just one thought and then a gap and then another thought? Because you don't hear a lot of that stuff in real time or not in time to fix it. Whereas if you're doing all that work before you release something, at least you get to get some of the technical stuff sorted. But you're also kind of, it's going to be slightly closer to what you, you want it to be when it comes out because it's never going to be as good as it will be but maybe you're halfway there instead of, you know, stuck on the starting line. It's almost like you think about, you, you mentioned being a comic and uh, I'm, a, I'm a rookie comedian, not a comic. Well, I don't want well to. sure. Sure. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just say comic because yeah, this, thank you. even if you had somebody like Jerry Seinfeld, for example, what does he do? Chris Rock, what does he do when he wants to get together a, a special that he's going to put out? He goes to a club, he will get up there unannounced, he will work through jokes. Some of those jokes will bomb big time. He'll get up there and fumble through them with notes because he's just testing out the material. It's not much different than that. And in that way, it's good for people not to hear it. It's good that you don't have that audience or maybe it is just your friends that are going to be hopefully honest with you, but that are going to be certainly more forgiving, I would think, that you've got a smaller audience of some people that are dedicated to your success as opposed to getting in front of 
tens of thousands of people at Madison Square Garden and really looking like a fool. That's not good. That's not good because then nobody's going to give you a second chance. And what you want, Josh, is what you mentioned, like when things do start kicking, the people are like, oh, that guy's really got it together. It's what we talked about, about Marin and all these other guys that are having such success. We don't see the times when they messed up. And, and, and that's really, to take it back to that podcasting, book writing, comedy, it's all that. It's, it's the behind the scenes that we don't see. I call it 23 hours. They say, you don't pay me for the hour that I'm on stage. You pay me for the 23 hours it takes to get there. Exactly how I think about it. And just, I'm going to follow my curiosity again. I know we're getting towards the top of the hour, but just you mentioned about the comic stuff and it's something that only really I became aware of when I was reading big podcast because I discovered a guy named Rick Roberts. And just if anyone's familiar with Rick, my comedy, nothing like his. It's edgier and more adult than Rick's stuff and obviously no one here is funny. But he, (laughs) I feel more attached to David and his work because he repeatedly mentioned something that he cared about, which was, or that he got something out of, which was Rick Roberts. And because I went, listened to Rick's podcast, took one of his online writing courses and kind of became familiar and friendly with Rick, it also reflected back onto David, and I think I'm now your first review on Audible for the audiobook. You are, and, and yeah. I tell you, I knew you were going to give me a review, but it was funny. My wife looked that up last night because the book just came out. She's like, you've got a review. I yeah. was like, is it Josh? She's like, yeah. <laughs> and I think <laughs> so it was because thank, I was hassling you. Thank you for making for- <laughs> my wife think that I'm cool. Yeah, that's all right. Right from the bottom of the world, that one. So, But I guess <laughs> I guess my point there, not, that, not only, I mean, the review, you can go read the review. I think that that pretty much surmises what I think of the book. Yeah, so, and by, get the audio book, it's hilarious. So two things. I think that over time, if you're sharing things that you truly actually care about or you re- respect or enjoy, like yourself, the fact that you repeatedly used examples from comedy, it wasn't the first time you mentioned Rick or the second time. It was the second time I read the book and the second time that I heard Rick's name. So there was like four times I'm hearing about Rick. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, well, I trust David. I really like big podcast. I'm getting into stand-up. Probably thinking about stand-up, a lot of the biggest comedians in the world tell you that you don't need anyone to teach you and it's a waste of time learning. But then you hear someone like Sebastian Maniscalco, who may be one of the biggest, well, he is one of the biggest comedians in the world right at the moment. Oh, yeah. He took a lesson. He didn't get all that much out of it, he said, but he got him started. So I thought, I'm going to go check Rick out. Loved Rick. I really liked his co-host on the first 50 or 60 episodes, Gavin, because he was exactly like me. He'd never done it before. Yeah, yeah. And that reflects directly back on you. So if we could just finish up with David, how do you get, how do you tread the line on A, mentioning things you love but not boring people with that. Like if you mentioned Rick 50 times, I wouldn't have wanted to go check him out. I wouldn't be like, geez, get over Rick. <laughs> but, <laughs> and also if you can, we can expand that question maybe just to cover off. How do you know when you're choosing examples, whether they're too taboo, if that's such a thing, or whether they're too edgy for your audience? Wow, that's a great question. I, I guess the only way to really know is much like a joke that you're going to tell on stage. If, people walk out or the equivalent of that. You're like, no, it's like I talked about pressing the gas in the car. You crash your car. It's like, eh, don't, don't go that fast. At, at the same time, if that's really who you are, sometimes we can be ahead of ourselves. And we've certainly seen that in comedy over the years. And it's funny to look back on the old school comics like Mom's Babley, uh, Dolomite, this kind of stuff where you're like, man, that was taboo at the time and that was edgy we're just maybe a little bit jaded or something now but it's up to you but it's also up to them and I think it's finding that balance but I think when it comes down to it it has to be who you are and I'll tell you a funny Rick Roberts story Rick is a local guy and he's the comedy club that he it's kind of his home club it's I can walk to it from my house I can walk to it from my last house I've stayed in the same neighborhood and I've been down there. It's a club called Zanies. It's a great club in Nashville. So I remember going down for a show one time. Rick's like, yeah, I'm on the bill and come on down or something. So I did. And they had 
some of the most vulgar type comics on this bill, crazy sexual innuendos and vulgar. And, and I love that kind of stuff. Personally, I was laughing like crazy. And my buddy was with me. I go, man, I think they put Rick on the wrong bill because Rick is like doing that. a lot of corporate. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's the head of the Christian comics association. <laughs> and we were like, what's Rick going to do now? Anyway, Rick comes out and it's such a great example for podcasting because he didn't try to be those guys and try to do what they were doing and go with the momentum. He came out and he was seated himself and grounded in himself. And he had everybody rolling by the end of his set. And that's how we are as podcasters. You mentioned like energy, you bring your energy to the table. You set the, set the place. You set the place for me to come in here and do, you know, match you. Right. So that's what you're doing with your audience as a podcast host. It's what you're doing as a comic. And I think when you talk about me, like mentioning things that I think are interesting, what I'm really doing is I'm looking for patterns and I'm looking for connections. And I certainly saw patterns within comedy uh, from Rick that were from my music business experience and then in podcasting later on. So I'm trying to look at parallels that way, because I think sometimes giving an example that is from not exactly your industry, but in a parallel industry can be more helpful than saying something like, you know, this podcaster does this and this podcaster does this. That's how things get stale. What I want to do always, and, and I do it and I would encourage anybody else to do it, is look at, well, Henry Ford, for example, pork processing plant. He said, well, this is how they chop up pigs. This is how we're going to build cars. So when you can take something from one industry to another, do something that comics are doing, bring it to podcasting. That's how we're going to innovate. And I think, you know, we, as podcasters, we don't have all the great ideas. We're a brand new medium for the most part. So let's get those ideas from radio. Let's get those ideas from TV, comics, musicians, however we can get them. And let's put them into podcasting and make a better podcasting, uh, like a best practices. That's pretty bunch perfect. <laughs> and if I could just finish up with one little thing. Yeah. And that's, when you were reading, this goes back to some of the more taboo and edgy jokes, I guess you would call them, which really were comedically very precise in the book. I'm, I'm glad you think so. Uh, we'll, we'll credit Rick Roberts not, with not that. Not one extra word in those jokes. <laughs> in a, and in a, a book that's 400 pages, you had a few extra words, I guess, which is by <laughs> default, but that, those were tight. And the hearing you laugh at your own jokes... It was like you'd seen them again for the first time, but they were so much funnier hearing you read them. I'm glad you thought so. Because the delivery, because you can read it, if you just read a joke, you can not, without the energy of the delivery of the person, yeah. you can find it funny or not. But the, And you decided to leave, <laughs> this is great, you decided to leave <laughs> yourself laughing in the book. <laughs> And the jokes were solid enough that it's not, what's this guy laughing at? That's not funny. They were good jokes. And can you just take us through, if you've got enough time, David, just maybe yeah. a couple of minutes on recording the book and moments well, like that where you're like, oh, that was actually pretty funny. Good stuff. So I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned this because this is something that I try to do in the book and I try to do in the podcast is that I want you to think when you listen to me reading that book that it was easy, that I just picked it up Page one, started reading and there were no mistakes and the delivery was perfect and I was super energetic. But the reality is it was really difficult. There's 10 something hours of finished audio. You're talking dozens of hours in the studio and then you've got to edit it. And I was trying to keep the energy up during the time and I would, um, you know, it'd been a year since the book was out when I was recording I know, the audio I was books. pestering you the whole time about Yeah, the right? <laughs> so I hadn't seen it for a while. And it was uh, that energy. And sometimes I was just having fun with it because I'm sort of in my radio narrator voice. And I would read it. I'd be like, did, did I say that? You know what I mean? And I would just get so tickled at yeah. <laughs> the words I used or the delivery. And what I did is I, I decided to leave those some of those laughs in. And it's not like I'm laughing throughout the book. I think there may be two or three examples of it. But I left it in there to make you think, to give the listener, I'm not trying to trick you, but to give it that 
experience of this is a guy in a moment in time and you are there with him rather than a thousand moments chopped up in a thousand different ways, which is actually more truthful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it certainly worked because it was my, like regardless where I'm at as a podcast, a lot of the advice is probably not 100% perfect for where I'm at, but hearing it in its entirety and having those fun moments in there, that was, I think I've now re-listened to the book twice before today's interview. So I think I've gone through it four times in the last 12 months. And I much preferred the audio book for that reason because it allowed me to see that you're delivering information, but you obviously there's times where you were in full announcer voice and it was very almost didactic and then you'd say something a little edgy and then laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like, ah, there's a real person on the other end of this who wrote. Well, (laughs) see, that's the reason I read my own book. Because I could have easily hired it out to a professional and it could have been out within a couple of weeks of that book being exactly. launched. But yeah. I, I've got to take my own advice and eat my own cooking. And, and I think that's that's the thing. And I think probably the biggest lesson I learned at the end of it, even though it was difficult, is I made it more difficult than it needed to be by blowing it up, being super... It's, and I've got this book on my desk. Like you said, 462 pages. It's intimidating to me. I can't imagine doing it again. But I... Would, I would do it differently this time. If I had to get in there, I'd be less intimidating, intimidated. I would have more fun with it. And that's what podcasting should be. I, in, in that way, I, I should have taken my own advice because I, I write about that and we've been talking about it, but sometimes we get caught up. But um, yeah, it should be fun. It's not that serious, you know? It's not that serious. We're not curing cancer here, but I told a story, speaking of that, of a guy who's talking about living with cancer. We are cancer or we have cancer. And that's not curing cancer, but it's helping people with cancer. It can be just as important work as a doctor would be doing because you're helping people live a better life. And I think that's where we should all, we should, we, we should aspire to that, whether it's comedy or religious or erotica, who knows, but we should aspire to doing that with our podcast and doing it in our own way. Yeah, I completely agree. And that's probably a good place to finish up, David. But just if you're, you are listening and you're not familiar with David's work and you're like, oh, well, I might check this audio book out. When I say edgy, I'm not talking like Patrice O'Neill, comedy edgy or Bill Burr edgy. Like the, it's more edgy compared to other other things in the space. So yeah, it's not a button up. It's not uh, watered down and it's yeah. they're unique and funny examples. So if anyone's listening to this thinking, gosh, is this book super taboo it's not no <laughs> just so that's no clear. I, the, the, I gave an example uh, for uh, christian swingers there's a christian swingers that's i talked about that's the one where you <laughs> i was thinking what's the one where you laughed for a bit of extra time some of the ones you laugh for a couple of seconds but there's one where you laughed for a little while and that's the one <laughs> yeah you're like really is that is that really a thing yes it is yeah. and uh that's the fun of podcasting is we don't have to have any permission to put something like that out. It's like they do exist and uh, they've got some stuff online. So so we probably won't go any further down that particular angle. There so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, thanks. And I, I want to apologize for the first part of this interview. Like you have now experienced what I, my crazy morning brain. And normally I spend the first part of the day alone for this very reason, because my brain can be a jumbled mess of craziness you know and that's such a great way to end it because you think about i'm in nashville tennessee right now and as we're taping this it's friday afternoon evening and saturday morning where you are so the next day and and that's how powerful this medium we we have is is you can go into the future i guess we'll say yeah and there's nothing better than getting to speak to someone and it happens a lot in podcasting where you talk to someone and you, the sheen comes off somebody because they're not as nice a person or as funny or as articulate as you might expect. Getting to speak to someone and then liking them more and finding out they are funny and kind and friendly like yourself. That's always, that's oh, one of the, you. that's one of the best things about podcasting because we're getting paid in other ways. And part of it is yeah. getting to meet awesome people from around the world that even 15 years ago, I could have been a fan of David somehow, but I never would have had the opportunity to talk to you for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. 
which is crazy. That's crazy. And it <laughs> sounds good. It sounds like we're in the same room. I mean, amazing, right? This yeah. is Oh, we're definitely it, in the same room. It's a very yeah, large I mean, house. I mean, let's let's not it's all uh, that take all it. that book money. It's two continents <laughs> worth of bedroom. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, I think some people take it for granted, but uh, when I started, I started in college and we're recording on magnetic tape with razor blades and bad microphones. It's amazing. It's amazing. So I never want to forget that. The first song my band ever recorded, my very first band was into like a, an eight track early digital roll on box that yeah. looking back was essentially just a grand piano with a record button on the front. Like right. A, yeah. And it was like one, you got to get the take perfect from start to finish because otherwise we'll have to delete that take. Well, you, you we, go old school. That's how they used to do it, yeah. right? And, but tape. it's way less romantic than the idea of actual tape recording into, yeah, well, it looked like a folded up McDonald's box, the thing that we were recording into. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute garbage. Right. Well, I've kept Dave, I've kept Dave now for 10 minutes longer than I said I would, so... Just want to let let everybody know, David, where they can find you online. There is some bonuses that you offer with the 25-episode templates or however many episodes. There might be 100, however many there is. I've probably oversold that, but <laughs> there's 500. I've, I, you know, I've got 100. They still need to be edited, but that's coming soon. And yeah, bigpodcast.com. There's uh, some goodies I got for people. I'm just trying to encourage people. It's not really about podcasting. It's to speak your truth, to get out, connect with people. I think we need more of that in the world now because... Although we do have this technology, we are not talking to each other. And uh, I want to do that because I think people more or less are very similar. There's not a whole lot of difference, but sometimes we can be divisive. And I think podcasting is one of the things that can help us to connect and make sure that we realize that we are not. And that's a better place to live, a better way to live. Great. And for anyone who wants to listen to a show that's somewhat business and marketing oriented, but also doesn't want to put themselves to sleep. Red podcast, the probably the only show that's remo- remotely marketing related that I think is remotely interesting, <laughs> which is interesting. So, if you're listening to this and you're in the business world or marketing world, or you just want to know more, Red Podcast is one of the few that's actually at its crux. It's a good show before it's a marketing engine for yourself, which I think is really important. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, gotta be. Got to sneak it in. It's like a Trojan horse. Yep, that's right. Okay, well, thanks, David. Thank you, Josh. It's been a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Okay, take care. All right, Josh. Have a good one. Bye-bye. This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.